If I put you in VR and show you a pair of hands that looks like your hands playing the piano, even if you've never touched the piano before, could it be easier for you to start playing the piano? Could it be possible for you to study a piano faster than other people just because you're convinced that you already have that skill? Today on Sounds of Berkeley, we ask, what is real? I'm Brian Paris, and in this episode, Darcy Davis talks virtual reality and beyond with Shirley Spikes, a major in the electronic production and design department and president of Berkeley's XR Club, exploring not just what we can learn in modified reality environments, but how to get involved in this rapidly evolving area of tech. Shirley Spikes, thank you so much for your time. Sure. So you've got the musical background, you play the piano, you've got experience in film scoring. How did you get into VR? Well, actually, I started with VR when I got to Boston. I didn't know anyone when I just arrived here. I tried to understand how does the industry work here and who is working in the industry. And one of the first thing I did was signing myself up for a bunch of hackathons. A hackathon is an event that happens usually for um, developers. And it's like a game jam. So you meet for 48 hours and you try to create something out of nothing. Usually it would be a video game or some kind of software. And I've signed up for a lot of them. And one of the hackathons that I've joined was called Reality Virtually. And it was in MIT. And the theme was augmented and virtual reality. I didn't know anything about virtual reality. I didn't know Oculus. I didn't know Vive. I didn't even try that before that. But I wanted to meet people and I said, hey, I can do music. So I just came to the event and I was sitting next to a guy and I realized that not all of the people in this event need music. A lot of them are doing things with Bitcoin or data visualization. And I tried to find myself throughout all those people. And he told me, what do you do? And I said, I'm a musician. And he said, well, okay, maybe you can build some kind of an instrument in virtual reality. Maybe, I don't know, you can control it with your hands, maybe the volume, maybe the notes. And I said, what, like a theremin in VR? And he said, yeah, just build a theremin in VR. And I looked at this guy and I said, why build a theremin if you can design an entire symphony orchestra that you can control with hand gestures, just like a real conductor on stage. And we can map everything and you can see everyone and just stand on the podium. And he told me, stop, you should pitch. And I pitched my ideas and after three days of work on that, we actually won the top 10 innovative ideas in MIT. And this is how my company have started. So nowadays uh, I have my company that is called Virtual Studios. I also on the advisory board of another company called Mux uh, that is creating synthesizers in VR. I compose music for other VR games. Uh, I run the Berkeley XR Club that I started uh, and teaching people the fundamental idea of what is what does it mean to work in an immersive space? And I also work in the media lab at Berkeley in the 150 building and helping them set up all the VR equipment and help students try out VR and AR and MR. Can you tell me about the difference between VR, AR, MR and XR? I get asked this question so many times. 
Okay, let's start with the easiest one, virtual reality. VR. So virtual reality usually acquires something that we call a head-mounted display, which is usually a headset that sits on your eyes and cover completely your field of view. And it gives you another representation of the world, a world that doesn't exist, literally creating a virtual reality. Uh, so you can see the real world, you can tackle some stuff if you're not very careful. The next one is augmented reality. AR. Most of us know it from our Snapchat filters or maybe uh, Pokemon Go is the best example for it. So it's putting a synthetic layer on a real world. So we can see the real world, we can see everything. Usually it's been scanned by a camera, might be even your phone camera, and then it adds another layer on it. Sometimes it reacts to the real world, sometimes it doesn't, and this is where we get into mixed reality. MR. So nowadays when we have actual mixed reality, and we've seen that, it kind of falls under the same category as augmented reality, and today augmented reality needs to kind of like adapt to the new rules of mixed reality. Mixed reality just means that you see the real world, you see the synthetic layer on it, and they are combined and they are talking to each other. That means that if you're playing Pokemon Go and you can see a Pikachu sitting on your table, it is aware that it sits on the table and it can jump to the floor and back to the table again. One of the problems with virtual reality is actually complete immersion, and people are really scared of it. I've seen people that have tried virtual reality for the first time, and I just tell them, let go and enjoy it, and they have to hold down a table or a chair or something just to remind themselves that this is not real, because it's so immersive that it's hard to just let go of the world that you know of. Uh, with mixed reality, then yeah, you can see the real world and you can interact with it. So you're not really away. You're still present. You still communicate with people. And I really think that this is going to be the future of our media and our social gathering. Instead of just burying yourself inside your iPhone, you can share an experience together with friends. Think about if we all wore, was wearing... Um, magic leap headsets and we can all see the same model in the middle of the room and we can all discuss it together instead of just eliminating yourself with technology getting this immersion to everyone around you what was the learning curve to understanding this technology and getting deep into the vr world wow it was uh it, it was a lot uh there are not a lot of books about virtual reality there are not about a lot of movies or documentaries about it there are few and i'm i'm finding more and more every day but just being out there talking to people constantly meeting up with professors from Harvard, from MIT, from Berkeley, anyone who could give me any kind of information on it. Also, this world is moving so fast uh, that you always need to keep yourself up to date. You need to know what came out today, what's going to come out next week, where is the world is going to be in a year, in two years, in five years from now. So it's a lot of just being out there, talking to people, experiencing things and learning what is going to come out next and where is the world going for. Now, when I arrived into the media lab here, I noticed that there was somebody using the Google Earth in VR and I asked somebody, oh, what's that? river over there and somebody said oh that's the Nile you really learn geography a, a lot better from an immersive experience and having something tangible that you can point to so what do you think are some other potentials for 
VR to be used as a learning or teaching tool? I can see it implemented in a lot of different ways. For example, teaching conducting or teaching music uh, through my app. And there are others that are trying to teach music, for example, for kids. It's much more immersive and much more fun to study with it. Um, I had another app that I was building in one of my MIT classes, and it was for teaching languages in virtual reality. So what we realized is kids can study languages much faster than adults, um, but a lot of people think it's because their brain evolves faster. It's not. It's because when an adult wants to study a new language, he usually would download Duolingo or take it some weekly classes, and then the week after that, just forget everything he's studied. But a kid, when he's trying to learn a language, it's all around him. He speaks to his friends in that language. He speaks to his parents. He plays video games and he's watching films in the target language. Basically, we don't give the kids any choice but to learn a new language. And so what we've created is an app that is called In the Mind of a Child that lets you be in a body of a child and feel like you're a child an immersive world that lets you make mistakes and lets you study a language in a complete immersive space. So here is another skill that you can study in VR. Another project that was very interesting to me was um, learning history in virtual reality. So let's say you can feel how it felt like to be a jazz player in the 40s in America. Or let's say you can visit the pyramids in Giza and see the entire Egyptian empire. Um, so I can see a lot of different implementation of how you can teach and educate people using the new tools of immersive realities. That's so interesting because they did some experiments with basketball players and one group were to shoot free throws in real life mm -hmm. and they studied their brains and then another group, they went to a room where they just thought about the action of the shot that they were taking and to repeat it over in their mind. And what they discovered was it was almost the same amount of neural development in both people doing the real thing versus just doing it in their head. And that's one method that I used to use when uh, learning piano was sometimes I would practice the pieces in my head when I was laying down in bed. Uh, so VR did give us a new definition of what it means to learn cognitive skills and convince your brain of something that might not exist in real life. For example, as you said with the piano, if I put you in VR and show you a pair of hands that looks like your hands playing the piano, even if you've never touched the piano before, could it be easier for you to start playing the piano? Could it be possible for you to study a piano faster than other people just because you're convinced that you already have that skill? Can I teach you other skills using virtual reality? So one of the biggest studies that is going on right now in virtual reality is the idea of identity in the virtual world and how your identity can change your behavior in a video game. And one of the things they've tried is to put a person under an IQ test and then doing the same test when the person's seeing himself in VR as Einstein. And actually, you can raise your IQ just by believing that you are Einstein. Well, that brings a whole new definition to the expression, fake it till you make it. Right? I'm is it fake, though? Well, it's next level fake. But is it fake, though? You're actually learning a skill. You're convincing your brain just to study that skill faster. Wow. So we need a new expression for that. It, <laughs> it reminds me of, like, the Matrix. Like, I'm, I'm going to learn. learn. 
jujitsu, and then they upload these skills of jujitsu into his mind. I've actually seen a student that created a jujitsu lessons Where? using virtual reality. Tell me more. So uh, he, they've created, it was a partnership, I think, of two Berkeley students, if I'm not mistaken that. It's two Berkeley students who took the idea of teaching jujitsu and meditation through virtual reality. And you have a teacher and it scans all your movement of your body and your head. And you can actually learn classes using virtual reality. I think that every industry just finds its place in this new platform. VR is now considered like a new tool for telling stories, a new tool for listening to music, the best empathy machine. And yes, they actually call it the best empathy machines because you can actually be in someone else's body. You can visit places that you would never visit. I've seen people who makes you relate to other people. Like uh, a guy took uh, a story of a young girl from a refugee camp in Syria and just walked you through that. And you feel like you're there experiencing everything with that little girl. I've seen others that are trying to show us the enemy within. So it took three places of conflict. One of them was actually Israel and Palestine and showed you the other side and let you talk to people from that area and ask them questions like, who is your enemy? What are you fighting for? Do you ever believe in peace? Do you think that it would ever stop? And you can talk to the sides and relate to that more than just reading on it from the news. So you can almost walk a mile in someone else's shoes. You can literally walk a mile in someone else's shoes. Hospitals are using virtual reality a lot. Mass General already using virtual reality to treat patients. So this is something that no one could predict and no one even did a research or tried to do it on purpose. VR can actually treat pain as much as opioids. And now there are researchers and studies trying to replace opioids with virtual reality. Apparently you're so immersed inside the experience that you forget about your physical body and your physical pain, and they're actually using it for burn victims. Wow, like the next level placebo effect. Exactly. There are other projects of people who use virtual reality to treat autistic kids uh, for treating lazy eyes, by the way, because we can nowadays we can even scan how your pupils are, mu are moving in the virtual world. That means that if you put a child that has a lazy eye for three hours in VR and let a doctor actually examine it, it can actually make the child move its eye to the right position where it was supposed to be. That's very interesting because there's a phenomenon called perceptual adaptation, mm -hmm. which they did experiments with like uh, wearing these glasses that flipped your vision upside down. Uh -huh. And they noticed that after I think it was two days, your body adapted to that to see things normally. And it's amazing how much potential our body has for repairing or changing, adapting when given the right context to do so. What about as musicians at Berkeley, for example, to stand out in your field, do you think that virtual reality could be a, a means to separate you from the pack or, or transcend some of that competition that we face in the music industry? So for me, as much as it's weird to hear that, for me, it's easier to do virtual reality and such complex 
machine learning and computer stuff and things that a lot of people still can't even grasp and understand. It's easier to do that than to do traditional music because there is so much competition in music. We see it, we feel it every day. And I always say that music is a wonderful thing. It's not a career for everyone. If you're not strong enough, if you don't have the mental capacity to deal with that, to deal with rejection, to show your heart to people and to accept that they don't like you or they don't appreciate your music, it's really hard. For me, it was much easier to go into a new field that no one have touched, no one have prejudice about. There are no rules, there are no standards. You can do whatever you want. You're free to do whatever you want. And not just that, you're the first one to do that because it's such a new world. Anything you do, you're probably gonna be the first one who does that. How hard it is to be the best jazz player in the world. How easy it is to be the first jazz player in VR. Just be the first one. No one can tell you're bad at it because no one have done it before you. How can they even judge you? So it seems like virtual reality is gonna be changing the world, changing the way we learn, changing the way we play the way that we listen to music and you're on the forefront of it so it's really <laughs> I'm trying I'm really trying anyone who is interested in joining us we have our club Berkeley XR we're meeting every Tuesday one till two in the media lab it's right under the stairs for the library 150 building Shirley Spikes thank you so much for your time sure this episode was produced and engineered by Darcy Davis I'm Brian Paris and this is Sounds of Berkeley Our new theme music is You Made Me by alumni band Sleeping Lion.